earlier this week, I was um, up in Roseland Shopping Centre in the car park, and uh, I was driving down, and I was just about to pull in and get a spot, but then someone comes down the other side across the one-way arrow and pulls in in front of me, and I lose the parking spot. Thankfully, it was early enough that day uh, that I, I got another parking spot, but there are those people that just ignore the, the arrows in the car parks and, and get a park regardless. That's you, is it? <laughs> well, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, I followed the arrows and got a park. So anyway, I was in the shopping centre with Atticus, um, pushing him on the pram, and here in Roselands, um, there must be people like me all the time because there are big yellow signs at the bottom of escalators that say, do not use prams on these things, right? Big yellow things. And, and I hate waiting for the, the lift, so I realised that in Maya, they have escalators without big yellow signs. So I just went to Maya and went up the escalator. I, I obeyed the law, didn't I? I've, see, I, 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 as I sort of did this and I was thinking about this sermon, I, I realised that so often in, in all of our lives, we're, we're people that are really tempted to, to break rules. Um, and so often it's because we kind of want to get ahead, whether it's to, to spend less time finding a parking spot or maybe so we don't have to wait for the stupid lift to come down to the ground floor where we are. Uh, we're so often trying to kind of get ahead. And this leads us to really being tempted to breaking the rule a lot of the time. And it's not just silly shopping center rules, really. Um, the, the law, um, what the government would say is right and wrong. I was, I was talking to a, a food importer. Um, and if you uh, used to go to Kingsgrove, I'm not talking about Bevan, I know multiple food importers, actually I only did two, um, but I was talking to this food importer, and they were telling me how it's really normal um, when you get those big shipping containers and you import all this frozen stuff, to hide stuff inside the, the legal stuff, so they import all this dodgy, really tasty, good stuff, but that, you know, so they can kind of slip it in, and they are telling me that everyone does it, and if you don't do it, you kind of fall behind. And so basically, the reason people break the law is so they essentially can not even get ahead, it's just to kind of keep even with everyone else. But why do I talk about breaking the law? Well, essentially, this passage is, is making us think as Christians, what does it mean for us to live in a country where there are laws? Are laws that the, the government gives us just kind of guidelines on how to live life? Or are laws basically something that should rule every aspect of our lives? Should we feel really, really guilty if we break even a small law? Why do we even ask this? Well, at the beginning of Romans 12, Paul says this. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And so we might be thinking, well, if I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of the world, I'm not going to even believe what the world says. I, God is my king, I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, and so I'll just do whatever, right? Paul wants us to realize in this passage that even though you are a part of God's kingdom and God's family, you express your heavenly citizenship by being good citizens of earthly kingdoms. And so the main thrust in these seven verses is very simple. It's there in verse 1. You are to submit to earthly authorities. Pretty simple. You are to submit to earthly authorities. Paul says in verse 1, let everyone be subject to governing authorities. He's saying basically every soul. There's no one exempt that has an exception clause like I don't need to because I'm a Christian or something like that. Everyone, uh, whether you're Christian or not really, uh, should submit themselves to the authorities. Um, I think by governing authorities, Paul has in mind those that are essentially given to, to rule the, the, the land. So federal, state, council, um, all those who are in power and those who try to essentially enforce the law. So people like police officers and the tax department, all those kind of guys. Paul's saying you, we're to submit to them. And so as we look at this passage this afternoon, 
I want to give us three good reasons that Paul gives us as to why we should submit. If you're following along in your paper bulletins or Zach pages, uh, the reasons are there. Three reasons um, why we should submit. The first is it reflects submission to God. The second, it avoids pain. And the third, um, it essentially grants us a clear conscience. Once we consider why we should be submitting, we're going to think a bit more about how then, or what does that look like to submit to governing authorities. So let's think about it. Why should we submit to governing authorities? What, what does Paul say? Well, it's there in, in verse 1. Uh, we're to submit because this demonstrates a submission to God. Uh, verse 1, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Everyone in power, every, every government is there because God has placed them there. They're not there by coincidence. Uh, they're not there by, by accident. And though they may be there, ultimately, in some places by bribery, they're there because God has allowed them to be there. We read in Proverbs 8, 15, By me, kings reign, rulers issue decrees that are just. We start to recognize that, that God ordains these things. He, he allows them to happen. And so you kind of basically ignore the government. Um, don't bother submitting to the laws of the land. Um, you're not just really kind of being innocent and just ignoring local authorities. You're ultimately demonstrating an attitude towards God. Governments have been given derivative power. That is, they've been given power by God to exercise in, in ruling the land, to, to govern and for the welfare of the people. And so to, to not submit to the law, to rebel against the government, is ultimately to rebel against God. Do you see there in verse 2? Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Submission becomes this recognition of your place in the order that God has established. It's recognizing that God not only puts people in power, but they're, in verse 4, they're his servant. And so as we submit to the laws of the land, to the, to the governing authorities, we're, we're recognizing what God has created and set it up. Now the temptation, as you hear maybe Paul speak this afternoon and saying, submit to the authorities, we start to go, well, what if? You know, all these kind of possible exception clauses, you know, what if the government is unfair and unjust? What if I think the, the rules that the government makes up are, are silly, right? 60 kilometers an hour, surely 65 is a more appropriate speed limit. You know, um, what if, I don't know, Donald Trump becomes president? What are we going to do then? What, what should you do? But see, faced with, with this call to submit, I think the default pattern and nature of your heart is to actually think, well, I'm sure there's an exception clause. So I don't have to obey all the time, right? But as you start to kind of come with all these, you know, what, but in this case, in this case, I think what you then start to do is you actually dilute and obscure the full force of what Paul is saying. He's not trying to qualify it. He basically says everyone is to submit to the law of the land, the governing authorities. You need to hear this this afternoon. Instead of trying to get out of it, you're supposed to ask yourself the question, I think, as we read this passage, where am I most tempted to dilute the force of this call? Where am I most tempted? I was thinking, I remember when I was um, a student, and as a student, you're always thinking, I'm really poor. When I have lots of money, I'm going to pay for everything. But until then, I feel it's really justified to maybe download stuff. Right? That, that may be you, but that's how I felt. I remember when I was a student. Um, I'll, t I'll tell you what, how I dealt with it in a, in a few moments, but maybe that's one way in which we start to kind of dilute the force of what Paul is trying to say. But maybe you, it, you know, you're not thinking about stage of life. Maybe you're thinking about comparing yourselves to others, right? 
No one else is, is following this, this law, whatever law you have in mind. No one else is driving at the speed limit. What, what's, what's, what's the point in going a little bit faster? Or maybe you feel, well, there's no harm done, right? I'm looking around and no one else is getting hurt if I, if I don't obey the government, you know? It's okay to cheat on my taxes, right? People often say this, it's, you know, it's not okay to cheat in taxes and you go, okay, fair enough. And I think, well, I don't have enough money to actually pay on a lot of taxes. How am I going to possibly cheat? But I, I thought a really good example that I reckon is fairly applicable to many people. Um, when you go overseas, if you go overseas and you come back into Australia, you have to fill in the stupid green card that ticks, you know, I haven't, I'm not smuggling animals into the country, that type of thing. Uh, but there's always a question, have you spent more than $900, right? And so if you go over the, overseas, you might, you know, on a holiday, buy a camera or whatever. Um, it's not that hard to spend over $900 if you're going on like a, a, a nice holiday type thing. Although it may be hard for some people. It, it's really tempting at that point not to check the box. To kind of walk right in and go, well, I bought this two weeks ago. It's technically, you know, not new anymore. And so it should be okay. See, it's so easy to, to hear this call and to think, well, there are all these other possibilities. So, you know, I'm not really sort of subverting the rule of the government. As we look at this passage, there is an urgent call for each of us to be putting ourselves under the authority of the government here. Without trying to qualify our actions as to whether the laws are good or bad, whether our actions are, are right or wrong, we are to be people who demonstrate submission, trusting God as we submit to authorities. I mean, but there's another good reason. That's not the only reason. There's another good reason. It's in verse 2, um, that those who who do bad things, ultimately don't submit, will bring judgment on themselves. So that's, that's point two. We, we should submit because we want to avoid pain or, or judgment, I guess. Um, you see in, this, in these passages, verse 3 and 4, Paul tells us that there are those who do right and those who do wrong. Those who do right, actually, he says, you've got nothing to worry about. Actually, you'll be commended. Let's pause a bit. What, what does he mean by those who do right? I think it's much more than those who kind of obey the law, are nice to police officers and pay their taxes. Uh, in the culture that Paul is writing to, uh, people would get commended uh, for doing things for the betterment of society, things to serve the greater good. I mean, think about the Australian of the Year award, right? Dan O'Regan doesn't get the Australian of the Year award because he paid his taxes. Well, not that I've... You do far more than just, just, just doing the minimum, Right? Australia of the Year Award, you, you, you've done something for the community. You're serving society. And I think that, that's what Paul is kind of getting at. To do right is not just doing the minimum. There's this proactive serving of the community, seeking what to, to do what, for the better of society. Maybe it's highlighting an issue that's often neglected, sort of something like mental health. You're kind of talking and promoting and, and making that more visible, or making it helping, helping those who are disadvantaged, the, the homeless or those who are part of the, the refugees or asylum seekers. Maybe that in our community, that's what it means to, to do good. See, Peter says this, The Apostle Peter lives such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 1 Peter 2.12. I don't think Peter or Paul had in mind that the deeds that, that pagans will go, wow, God is amazing, is if you just obey the police officer. I mean, that, that might be good, but I think that there's something more to it, that, that we, we serve the community. Well, Paul reminds us, though, that for those that do not good or do bad, uh, they should worry because 
they face the judgment of God, which comes through uh, the authorities. Look there at verse 4. What does he call um, the governing authorities? They're, they're God's servants. And so those who don't submit will face punishment. Ultimately, the, I think the punishment of God mediated through the government, potentially by the sword. Um, the government has the, has the right to punish those that violate its laws. They've given, been a, a, given authority by God. And so punishment sometimes, though not always, might be in the taking of life. It's been something that has been given by God to, author, to authorities. The rule and judgment of God is, comes about and comes through the governing authorities. Sometimes it's to punish people by sending them to prison. Sometimes it's to take their life. So at this point, again, we start to wonder, what if? What if the government really is horrible? They're morally bankrupt and evil. Or what if the government really does abuse its power and influence? Do I still need to submit regardless of what they say? We start to think of, of maybe back to World War II where, where the government would, would be essentially sending people saying, you, ha- you have to um, be part of our agenda, which was to essentially exterminate a certain set of people. How should we think about this? Well, I think we, we think about this through what verses 3 and 4 tell us. I think it provides us an excellent way to maybe think about those exception clauses. See, these verses remind us that the government is God's servant. And so the, the, the judgment of the government and the law of the government is ultimately God's. But we also start to see the government's identity as God's servant shapes the laws that they make, shapes the, the judgments that they carry out. And so the laws and policies of a government should be in line with the law or the moral code of God that we see in Scripture. Your submission to the government is linked to their alignment with the law of God. See, in moments, the moments when the government subverts their identity, essentially are no longer representing God as, their, as His servant, but choose to make policy that's contrary to what we see in Scripture, then Christians are challenged then to consider whether or not to follow. We see this principle in Scripture, don't we? In the life of the early church in the book of Acts, um, the apostles, those that had followed Jesus, who walked around with Him, that had seen Him uh, die and rise again, are telling others about Jesus. Uh, the religious leaders, the authorities of the day, tell them to stop, stop speaking about Jesus. What do they say? And P- Peter says this in Acts 5.29, We must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. See, friends, as you understand submission in relationship to the government through Scripture, we start to see submission is willing to follow, but not being uncritical of governing authorities. And I think that's a key distinction, willing to follow, but not being uncritical of authorities. I think this all links back to what Paul started off with in Romans 12, verse 2. Let me read it out for us. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to flip there, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. The transformed mind of the believer is given godly wisdom and insight, clarity to to think of a situation, a situation where he stands before the government to figure out whether he should be someone that submits or maybe potentially someone that subverts the authority of the government. See, that's how we, we, as we read Scripture, we're, we're essentially thinking God's thoughts after Him. And so as we conform our mind to, to that which is good, we start to, to realize situations are not 
black and white, but often very grey. There are examples throughout Scripture where, where governments contradict the law of God. Um, open the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Exodus 1. Pharaoh, essentially the king of Egypt at that time, tells all midwives to kill any male babies. What do we read in Exodus 1 verse 17? The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. I think uh, as we live in this world, um, quite, quite likely governments will not blatantly, or our government anyway, God willing, will not blatantly call us to start killing random people or killing certain types of people. Uh, but they may start to introduce laws that, where we will have to be discerning as to whether we will follow them or not. I'll give you an example. If, you, if you're uh, living in America at this point in time, uh, recently there have been a number of bills that have been passed to essentially compel people in accordance with non-discrimination laws to essentially provide uh, business services to anyone regardless of sexual orientation. And so there has been this kind of constant debate for, for those that essentially provide services at weddings, like bakeries that bake cakes, photographers that take photos, um, to, to consider whether they should participate or offer their services to those that are involved in the same-sex union. Should they um, essentially comply with the government and, and, and in doing that possibly uh, rejoice with those who arguably are, well, not arguably, um, I think, as Scripture would say, are, are engaging in sinful lives? Or, or should they subvert authority and maybe be punished? See, so often we need wisdom and clarity of thought. And this comes as we open Scripture. As the government becomes more and more secular, there will be more and more opportunities for, for those moments of grey for us to consider. Should we submit or should we turn away? So two good reasons to be sub submitting ourselves to the government. The last one is we submit because it leads us to a clear conscience. I believe a, a number of weeks or months ago I was telling you that I, I got a car park, uh, a parking ticket because I parked in front of my house. There's this stupid bus sign that doesn't look like a bus sign. So I parked there, I got a ticket. Um, however, however, ever since then, people have parked outside my house and they haven't got a ticket. They did a one-week blitz, and I just happened to be parking in that spot in the, during the one-week blitz. And I've been so tempted to park in front of my house that, like, when, when people don't park there. However, I, I have resisted. And the reason I have resisted is because I don't want the pain of another parking fine, right? However, as I was thinking about this sermon, I, I realized that it's not because I want to live in accordance with the law. I'm just afraid of being punished by those parking inspectors. But, but think about it. I reckon there are things in our lives where we'd be willing to turn a blind eye to if we knew we weren't going to get caught, right? If I knew the parking inspector wasn't turning up, I'd probably be inclined to park in that parking lot. Just so convenient and stuff. But the thing is, Paul says, it's not just so you don't get punished that you submit to the governing authorities. It's, so, it's because your conscience leads you to do that. See, conscience for Paul was this human faculty where, a per, where, where you basically approve or disapprove of your actions, whether it's past, present, or future. You feel, you know, it's not necessarily the voice of God, but it's kind of this inkling feeling, like, I think this is a good or bad thing to do. See, in this context that Paul is talking about, he's urging people to respond in submission, not just because they're going to avoid punishment, 
but because also they know that their conscience tells them to do. See, so often in Scripture, our conscience is informed as we open the Bible, and God's thoughts are shaping our thoughts. And so hopefully we start to recognize we don't just submit because, you know, it's a, we're going to get in trouble. We submit because we know that it honors God. See, Paul's reminding us it's this transformed mind again that helps us live in this world. To give us a clear conscience, we submit. At this point, hopefully, you're, you're thinking, oh, I'd really like to submit to the government. Paul's made a really good case. What does that look like? Well, I think that's our next point, how to submit. Verses 6 to 7. Let me read them out for us quickly. Verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As we look at these verses, I think we can break down uh, what it looks like to respond in submission to the government in two main ways. Uh, the first is a tangible way, and I think it's this idea of taxes and revenue. So what's the difference between taxes and revenue, quickly? Taxes is kind of like a direct tax, so maybe your income tax, but revenue is kind of like an indirect tax back in those times, like think GST, right? You, everyone gets levied, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but basically, Paul's saying that the tangible way, the, 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 the way it, the rubber hits the road is that we, we pay the government what it, it calls us to do. Uh, back in, in Paul's time, um, the, the Roman uh, Empire had essentially conquered the nations and they essentially levied a tax to be part of their, um, I don't know, their country, I guess, um, or their land. And, and essentially they would appoint tax collectors right, as people that would go and collect the tax. And, and so, so, say, for example, the, the going rate was 10%, tax collectors could charge 10%, or maybe they could put a little bit on top to kind of keep for themselves. It was quite common that tax collectors were really the dodgy guys in society, and no one really liked them. Um, it was a, a corrupt system, really. See, Paul isn't naive to this fact, yet he still calls people to pay taxes, I think it's reflective of, of Jesus' attitude. In Mark 12, uh, Jesus says, as people question him, he says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I think this is kind of what submission looks like in real life. Even though there may be injustice and corruption within the government, this isn't the sign that we go, well, you know, you're not as perfect as the Bible says you should be, so I'm not going to participate. Paul's saying, submit, pay your taxes. Um, unless the law is calling to break the law of God, then, then be one who is under the law. I, I think this is kind of quite challenging because so often we want to kind of like, oh, you know, I, I don't really have to. No one's going to know. What should I do? Paul's saying, even if it's not fair, even if you don't feel like it, even though you feel hard done by pay the taxes or essentially submit yourselves. Uh, that's the kind of the tangible aspect. I think the intangible aspect is what we see in verse 7. Uh, this idea of respecting and honoring the government. Um, what does that look like, to respect and honor? That's it's very vague kind of terms. I want to suggest two things that it might look like. Um, scripture tells us that we are to be people who pray for the government. 1 Timothy 2. Um, we are to pray for, for kings and all those in authority. And so maybe to honor the government is to pray for them, to respect their position. Pray that they would make wise decisions that would benefit as many people especially with the upcoming federal election. Pray that those who are in power would seek not to just have great influence and popularity, but they would seek to, for the, to work for the, the common good of the people. 
those who are weak and poor and disadvantaged amongst others. Maybe that's a way in which we can be people who honour the government. I think another way in which we can kind of respect the government, honour the government, is to take seriously our role in electing them to power. Uh, to respect the place that they have is one ordained by God, but He actually uses us as people. Um, I, I generally don't care much for federal elections. I find them, like the sausage chisel is probably the best part about going to vote, right? Um, you know, the, the long lines and then like the stupid numbering system. But then like I always find like when they're, they're being interviewed, they never answer the question, so I just get annoyed at them. And so, and then you go like, if I'm in the seat that always votes a certain way, what's the point of like voting any other way? Because that person's just going to get in all the time. It's really easy to like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. However, however, might it be that, that our ability to respect the government, to honour where they've been put, is to actually care about the process by which we get to participate in it. To actually care about what policies they make. Um, you know, I've been kind of convicted as I've been preparing this sermon. I should really sort of read about in, in my electorate, you know, what are people trying to propose? What are really important things for the better of the community? And, and to vote based on that. Not vote, vote, vote uh, you know, just rock up on the day and see who's got the most colourful fly and just go with that. <laughs> I, I used to vote for the fishing party because I used to like fishing, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> care. I, I think the point is care. <laughs> Friends, as we, um, as we kind of come to the end of the passage, I... Uh, I want us to think about how Jesus responded as he had an opportunity to, to, to submit. Um, on, on the night before he, he died, um, Jesus was in a garden. The garden was called Gethsemane. And, and Jesus knew, being God, he kind of knew what lay ahead. He knew that in 24 hours that he would be dead. But not only that, he would go through immense torture, immense pain, that he would be, though innocent, trod and convicted guilty, that he would... Uh, face the mockery of many and die on the cross. And so he turns to his father and he prays. And he says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Uh, the cup he refers to essentially, uh, it's an Old Testament reference to the wrath of God. Basically, may this judgment, may the cross be taken away. But even though he expresses his desire for some, some alternate path, in the same breath, Jesus says this, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus' death on the cross, I, I think, is this ultimate act of submission. While the way ahead seems fraught with injustice, corruption, and brokenness, he submits his will to the will of the Father, trusting that even though the, 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 pl the plan looks pretty bad, me dying bad, you know, that, the, where's victory going to come from there? But he trusts that his father is in control of all things. And even through horrible situations, he can redeem what is broken. And so as Christ goes to the cross, as he dies in the place of God's people, as he experiences the, the wrath and judgment of God on their behalf, he is then raised three days later. And in Philippians 2, a passage we read from last week, it says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Jesus is exalted. His death and resurrection usher in God's new kingdom. A kingdom where there is a true and good king. Where there is no more corruption and brokenness. It's to this kingdom, friends, that the people of God belong. It's to this kingdom and this king we show ultimate allegiance. And that's why all throughout Scripture in the New Testament we see that God's people are part of this kingdom. They're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. 
Friends, if you're a Christian here today, you are a foreigner. You are an exile in this world. And so you should recognize that your submission is intrinsically linked to trust. Trusting in the sovereign and all-powerful nature of God. A God who does not let things happen by accident, but ordains all things for the good of His kingdom. See, while we may submit to authorities to avoid pain and more parking fines, or because we have a tender conscience and are just like that, ultimately, friends, we need to ground our submission in the sovereignty and power of God. See, we submit to earthly authorities because we trust God. That even though governments may make horrible decisions, God is not powerless to use that for our good and the good of His kingdom. Your submission is is not contingent on the quality of the leadership of the government, not on whether they're doing a good job, not even on whether they're favorable to the church or not. See, our submission is always grounded in our belief that God is, is above all this, that He's ordaining all this, and even though there are bad things in front of us, He's still in control. He's placed the existing government there according to His good and perfect will. It's so easy to kind of really be thinking, oh, you know, there's this law... I'm driving, but, you know, there's a whole number of reasons. See, as we do the simple thing of driving 60 kilometers an hour in a 60 kilometers an hour zone, we demonstrate an act of faith. We submit to the authorities because we believe that God is in control of all things. Um, I wanted to kind of finish off with a a story today to kind of um, exemplify what this is all about. Um, so basically, um, the government comes up with all kinds of regulations for different people, right? And so they, they decided that they were going to enlarge their, I don't know, you can, Johnson probably has a better understanding of this, their, their digital radio spectrum or something. The, basic, the, the, basic, the end of this is, we had to buy new microphones for church, right? We had these awesome microphones before, and they said, the frequency you're operating on, that's now being claimed by the government. You can't use them in the public anymore. And so like, really? And so we had to like, get good microphones. And it's like we only operate on a Sunday. No one's going to run around with a scanner on Sundays trying to find people who are you know, operating on this frequency anymore. But we ended up buying new microphones and had to pay lots of money, and that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> Great story, huh? Yeah, that's probably the worst story I've ever told. But there's a point I told you the worst story ever. Um, because I think it's so easy to think, to, to tell you a story about how how the government made a bad decision and people rebelled and and God was glorified and amazing things happened. But I think so often that's not the case. So often we're going to live in a a society and country which is going to make not very good laws, but not horrible laws. And you're going to be challenged to respond and submit to God in all these things, in really ordinary circumstances, in circumstances where people won't even know that you've broken the law or not. And the answer won't be, oh, look at this amazing thing that's happened. It's like, I just had to spend all this extra money and I didn't really gain anything out of it. But see, friends, I want to say that that is an act of worship. You're demonstrating that point that you're trusting that, that, that what has happened is, is part of God's plan. It's an act of worship to believe that God is sovereign in all things and, and that somehow this law is actually there for, by God's design and that we're to obey. That is worshipping God. It looks really ordinary, really unamazing, But I think God often uses that uh, to shape and transform us, to make us like His brother, our brother Jesus. Um, So friends, can I urge you, be people who submit to the authorities as we submit ultimately to King Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we, um, I know I read a passage like this and 